Welcome back, true believers, to the Frustrated Fans, episode 19, where this time we're uh, venting our frustrations many fandoms at a time. I'm your co-host, Jeremy. I'm your other co-host, Pete. And today we're going to be covering 2014, a big old year of frustrations. We'll be talking about movies, video games, I'm going to be talking about wrestling, we're going to be talking about a couple books... And I'm going to be talking about one episode of an anime. So we're taking a break from our usual pattern because this is going to cover a lot at once. So, yeah. So let's start off with movies. How many movies did you see in theaters this year? I saw three. Okay. I saw <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Or twelve, not Excuse me, 12. It is quality or quantity, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, given Bay Turtles is in there, yeah. Yeah, that kind of hurts it a lot. Most of the rest are pretty good, though. But you actually did end up going to see Michael Bay's Ninja Amphibians? Yeah, I did. I got dragged to it under protest. And you didn't not off your hand and run for your life? No. And I would do want to I do want to address it, but we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did see four movies total that came out this year, mm-hmm. but I only saw three in theaters. Okay. And I wanted to see two two others, Expendables three and Muppets Most Wanted, but unfortunately, I missed both before they left theaters, and I have not had I have not had a chance to watch them outside of that yet. Do you not have a cheap show around your house? No. Oh. It's I. With Muppets, uh, it was there is a theater over here that shows stuff for extended amounts of time. But mm-hmm. they, when I finally had a day where I was like, "Oh, I should go see it," I looked and it had started thirty minutes ago, and it was the only showing. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so I was like, "Oh, okay." So it wasn't a bad year for movies at all, honestly, minus Michael Bay. So we had the final final movie of the Lord of the Rings sagas. We had with the Hobbit War Five Armies. I just saw that only a couple of days ago, and um, yeah, it's better paced than Return of the King. They don't do as many fake out endings <laughs> as that one did. God, that was entertaining, uh, irritating. Hmm. Uh, so I, I've only seen uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and that was enough for me. I saw The Monuments Men, which was surprisingly good. And there may have been a manly tear moment or two, so not gonna lie. Uh, Bill Murray and John Goodman definitely come up strong side characters. Ooh, yes, very good team. Uh, Maleficent was disappointing. So uh, that was the one with uh, Angelina Jolie as Maleficent, right. right? I mean, they were instead of going for like a wicked thing where they make the Wicked Witch of the West out to be the good guy all along. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy just kind of, you know, committing uh, house homicide on her sister, <laughs> and then ignoring every inheritance law on the books and stealing some fabulous footwear. These are mine now. Yep. Uh, Maleficent just came off a half baked, I guess. It was a it was good to see a different take on the character, but it, it just kind of went in a weird direction. So, 
instead of just showing the thing from the other side, it just more kind of overhauled the story entirely. The three, quote, good fairies were idiots. It said, you know, and kind of different version of your childhood here. Uh, Disney apparently is learning their lesson because they're playing a straight version of Cinderella live action later on this year. Oh, I do not know about that one. Yeah. Well, that means even more of our childhood animated films are going to become live action. I, I would predict that this works out. What else? I did see How to Train Your Dragon 2, which was good if not quite as good as the first one. Um, Ghostbusters was back in theaters for the 30th anniversary. And that was awesome to see on the big screen. Really wish I hadn't missed that. Okay. And I don't even remember it happening, so I guess. Well, it was sucks. pretty. It was a one-week run. Oh, okay. So, uh, but you did see Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yes, I did, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I, actually like the surprise hit of the year. Yeah, especially because I'm sure plenty of people like me. Never read the comics, wow. never even heard of the characters, well, which the only character I knew was Rocket Raccoon, and that was because he was in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Well, I knew some of the Guardians from uh, their one appearance in Avengers Earth Minus Heroes, the cartoon mm-hmm. that used to run on Disney XD before they replaced it. Gotcha. Um, and so I was going in mostly blind, and yeah, I didn't think I could care that much about a talking raccoon in a tree outside of a Disney movie. Yeah. Oh, wait. And Marvel. Disney, never mind. <laughs> That's where they got it from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Groot. <laughs> Actually, earlier uh, in October at my office, they had like a couple of pumpkin carving contests, mm-hmm. and there was one down on the first floor, and it was Groot. And somebody put like a little piece of paper underneath that just said, I am Groot. <laughs> Vin Diesel actually showed up at the uh, London premiere of the movie with a t-shirt that said, I am Groot. <laughs> you know, I heard he actually re-recorded that line in every language that the movie was released in. I can believe so, that. Yeah, so he could have been, so he was the one to do it. Yeah. Uh, what else came in this year? Captain America, The Winter Soldier, another part of Phase 2 from Marvel. Yep, and l- I've seen, I saw that, I loved it, mm-hmm. I Got it on Blu-ray, and I watched it again, and yeah, that movie was fantastic. Well, Captain America's a hard character to pull off because, kind of like Soup's, uh, on the DC side, he's he always comes down on the right side of an argument between heroes. So getting something that's going to rile him up to a, to go against orders and rebel against the authority takes a lot. Well, they definitely pulled it off. Yeah, they did, and which makes and this movie. Well, and this movie really, really makes me wish we could get a Black Widow standalone movie. Oh, I know. Why isn't she getting one? I know. I mean, or at least on. one with her and Hawkeye, you know? Well, I figure if we could just get a movie with Black Widow as the main character, we can finally get at least one good superhero movie with a female main character. Yeah, because we have no we idea have... how Wonder Woman's going to go over. Exactly. And so far, we have never gotten one of those. No. Um, I mean, the only other one I can think of other superhero in movies are what? Tank Girl, uh, Supergirl. Yeah. Catwoman. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Electra. Electra. Oh, God. So, yeah. We haven't, uh, we haven't gotten good stuff. No. No, we have not. 
what else? I did see Expendables 3, which was pretty good. I mean, it, it's starting to get tiresome at this point. So I hope this is the last one. I wanted to see it. I did not get a chance while it was in mm-hmm. theaters. So. Well, you did see Everything is Awesome, right? Yes, I did see the Lego movie. And yes, it was awesome. Yeah, that was an interesting experience because I walked in with two other friends and we have all these parents glaring at us because we're 30-year-old men walking into a kid's movie. And they all <laughs> think the worst of us for it. It's like, oh, I just want to see a Lego movie. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure my friend Aaron and I kind of got looks like that when we saw Toy Story 3 in theaters. Mm. But yeah, I really like that movie. It you know, kind of made me feel like a kid again <laughs> and reminded me of playing Legos when I was a little kid. On the, and, the voice work was really good. Oh, God. This is the best Will Ferrell movie I have ever seen. It, like, I think this is his best role of all time. Well, it, it's subtle, and it's actually played very well. Yeah. And Liam Neeson as both the good and bad cop. Was... Oh, he was great. I loved Batman. <laughs> Batman was awesome. And one of my friends brought this over for me to watch, and he said to me before we even started, he's like, Batman essentially plays out like if an eight-year-old was pretending what Batman was like. And <laughs> lo and behold, I, oh, my gosh, it was awesome. He was like, I need black. I only work with black and sometimes dark gray. <laughs> I did get a good laugh. Of the, I don't understand why they picked on him, but I love the treatment with the Green Lantern. Where, uh, uh, punishment Superman. for the terrible Ryan Reynolds movie. Ah, uh, okay. And I love it when he and Superman are captured, and Superman's like, God, how could this get any worse? Hey, Rumi! Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Hal Jordan's pretty kind of like the most bland character in the Marvel uh, Dixon v. DC universe. But why don't we get to the worst movie I saw this year after the first break? Okay. Sounds good. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? And we're back. So the worst movie that I saw that I know you didn't Yep. was Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You poor, poor, poor man. I know, I got dragged to it. I'll say this for it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. For one, Megan Fox keeps her clothes on. Number two, um, the characters aren't that butchered. They spend more time with April than any of the, you know, the turtles and it's like the transformers movies already yeah well same producer here chief um yeah and then the plot was stupid and the characters weren't developed but um i was expecting the twins honestly in transformers 2 and i didn't get the twins so not that my bar was set very high but yeah i think they learned their lesson yeah. But uh we may get to that another day. Yeah. We may not. But <laughs> I may not I may want to bury it forever. Until Bay Turtles two comes out with Bebop and Rocksteady. Yes, that's already confirmed. Yep, which I'm kind of afraid of what that's gonna look like. Yeah, that may be our twins. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I also saw Dumb and Dumber 2. Well, yeah, I've only seen the first one, so why don't you go about that? All right, so the second one, it's a little bit of a retread of the original, like, same basic idea. You know, they go on a road trip to find someone that it's they have to return something to them. They even actually have, like, a briefcase with them. And, or it's not really much of a briefcase, but it's a bit of a retreaded, but it's also the best comedy I've seen in I can't even remember how long. Like It was fantastic. I was cracking up the whole way through. It was a nice nostalgia trip back to, like, the 90s. And at the end of the movie, they actually showed – they had a little montage of comparison clips between the original and the second one. And so I have a feeling everything they did to – make it similar to the first one was intentional. Just as a, you know, here, we're going to have another fun ride. Let's give you guys a good nostalgia trip. Yep. And they succeeded. And after I walked out, I was like, that's like the best comedy I've seen since uh, I can't even remember. Like the first thing that popped in my head was like Tropic Thunder and that came out in 2008. Yeah. Well, let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, Jeff Daniels is still a good actor, but Jim Carrey must truly be desperate for his career if he was willing to come back for a sequel. When he's yeah. it, after Ace Ventura two, he swore he would never do one again. Yeah, because all the other sequels to his movies were <sighs> not with him. Son or, of the Mask. Oh God. Yep. Dumb and Dumberer, which was a prequel. Yeah. And there was Ace Ventura as a kid which I did not know about, I think, until you to- you told me about it, and then I oh, screamed and ran out of the room. That may be a direct-to-video hell one day. Yeah. I can only imagine. Well, you know what? I can always say this. It can't be as bad as Jingle All the Way to. I don't know, man. I've seen some reviews of it online. Mm-hmm. It might be worse. That can't be possible. Unless Larry the Cable Guy's in it, It can't. that can't be possible. No. No problem. He's not, but it's bad. So, all right. So if that's all the movies. Then what's next? Books. So you did have a book you wanted to cover. Uh, yes. If you aren't reading the comic XKCD from the website XKCD.com, do it. It's an awesome web- stick figure webcomic put out by a guy who used to work at NASA. And it's intelligent. It's sarcastic. It's got some math jokes it's got language jokes it's got mc hammer jokes and raptor <laughs> and how do you survive raptor attack jokes so and he put out a book um since since he is a freaking former nasa scientist he answers random questions on a section of the site called what if and uh you know it's a really fun book then the other thing i read i tackled this year in bookwise was game of thrones all of it Books one through five. And, uh, yeah, they're pretty good. I'm not going to lie. They take a little while to get going, but once the first book does, it's it's almost like nonstop. Like, you want to keep going. So, and then there was also the newest Dresden Files, which, if you, anyone out there is a fan of Harry Potter, look into this series because it's like Harry Potter with mom, slightly more pop culture references set in Chicago and far, far much more of a smartass. It's awesome. What about your books for the year? Uh, I've been rereading through a lot of the Redwall books for the first time in a long time now. And I did read two of them that 
One of them I think I had read before, but I didn't remember anything about it, so mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is the first time, uh, which was Rackety Tam, which of the later ones, like post uh, Lord Brocktree, I recommend it. I think it was very good. It had a nice like new twist on things, and the villain was very unique. It was Wolverine rather than – yeah. And I also read Hyrulane, which was the first one to have Wildcat as the villain. For a very long long. time, anyway. Yeah. And that one was actually pretty good, too. There was some moments that felt like a little rushed, but overall, I liked it. I've also been on Michael Crichton binge, so I tackled Spear and Congo, which the movie versions suck. (laughs) But I think you wanted to talk about something I'm not interested in, but you are. Yep. Uh, I am a wrestling fan, and actually it was late last year that I kind of started getting back into it again. Is I got rid of cable a few years ago, and so of course I couldn't watch it, but uh, I, was at a, I was at a hotel last year, and well, it was right on TV, so I started watching it again. And this year for wrestling has been completely all over the place, but on the plus side... WWE has something called the WWE Network, and I'm not going to shill it like they've been doing it tirelessly. Seriously, there's a chant for the price of this thing because people are so crazy. Like, they've gotten so ridiculous about it. Basically, it's 10 bucks a month, and you get, like, their entire tape library on demand. And you, so you can watch, like, stuff from, like, 1985. Like, you, I can go back and watch Ultimate Warrior matches and stuff. And you get, like, every single new pay-per-view, which is normally, like, 60 bucks pop. So that's pretty insane deal. On the bad side, shirtless Larry the Cable Guy was actually not the worst thing to happen this year. Believe that or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're lucky you didn't see it. One of the bigger wrestlers, CM Punk, quit back in January. He walked out on the company. And uh, just a few weeks ago, actually, he went on his friend Colt Cabana's podcast and... Uh, He let out some frustrations, and some of the stuff he talked about was pretty insane, such as the fact that he wrestled for over a month with an undiagnosed staph infection. Oh, dear. Yeah, he had this weird growth on his back for about a month, and after he quit and walked out, he finally went to a different doctor. The doctor looked at him and said, dude, you should be dead. And he said he just laughed when he found out because it was so absurd. Uh, Storyline-wise, The Shield, which was like the most popular team in the entire company, broke up, unfortunately, because it was right after two awesome matches. Well, probably because Disney said, hey, Shield's our thing now. Stop it. (laughs) Actually, they were – one of the people they were in a feud with was Batista, who played Drax the Destroyer. Well, there you go. Which his return did not go over too well because they kind of threw him in as a good guy and everyone wa- and he won the Royal Rumble to main event WrestleMania and everyone wanted someone else to do it. So the minute they figured out that he was winning, holy crap, it's the most ins- it's one of the craziest crowd reactions I've ever seen where people just booed everyone and the booing got louder and louder and they started chanting for people that weren't there including people that were dead. Mm. Yep. Which you know, which this also happens whenever the two wrestlers, John Cena and Randy Orton, wrestle because they've been wrestling each other for seven years straight. 
And you know when people chant for Randy Savage during your fight, during your match, you can tell they're kind of sick of it. Huh. Randy Savage, by the way, has been dead for three years. Oh, and the entire women's roster, except for three wrestlers, is pretty terrible. Capped by one of them trying to pin someone who was face down on the mat and didn't realize it until the ref had to tell her that. <laughs> to the point where one of the wrestling like journalists tried to say, like, oh, maybe it was like a planned thing, and the, one of, someone else was like, no, no, she's just dumb. A big moment early on in the year was The Undertaker's WrestleMania undefeated streak was ended by Brock Lesnar. For comparison to, like, comics and other fiction, this is like seeing Superman lose for the first time ever. Ever since Undertaker debuted, he has been undefeated every single year at WrestleMania. He had 21 wins in a row, and yeah, it's all scripted and everything, but the fact that they did this for him, it's never going to happen again. No one else is going to be able to pull this off. So it was just one of the like the biggest things. And when it happened, when it was broken, actual like news outlets covering real sports picked this up and talked about it. Like that's how big this was. Unfortunately, the final match, it's like the match itself wasn't very good because unfortunately Taker got a concussion about halfway through and kind of makes a couple moments where he goes to pile drive Lesnar really scary looking because you realize this guy is completely zonked out of it. Mm-hmm. But he's a legend. He is a true legend in the industry, and I really wish I could have seen this live on pay-per-view. I actually bought the network two days after the pay-per-view just so I could go back and watch this match and watch the entire pay-per-view itself. Uh-huh. And I will continue uh, right after a quick break. All right. Of course, the uh, one of the biggest things, the Ultimate Warrior returned, and then died and was two inducted. Days later. Yeah, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. He showed up on Raw two days later and gave this really good final speech, like speech on Raw, and then unfortunately passed away. Yeah. As the character, he even put on like a warrior mask that looks like his old face paint, and it was really good to see when he came out. He's like, you know. I'm having a hard time thinking of what to say, and then he puts on the mask and goes, so let me do the talking. <sighs> Skronk. <laughs> yep. Oh, it was great. And you know what? They've treated his death with a lot of respect, and I got to hand it to WWE with how they've handled this, because they, there's been some deaths in wrestling that they have not handled particularly well <laughs> over the years. So I, I credit them for... Like, I give them a lot of props for this, and they've even reached out to his family to make sure that they're okay, and Mm -hmm. his wife actually sent them a letter thanking them personally. So, it it was pretty touching. It's scary if professional wrestling can treat their retired people better than the NFL can. Yeah. I mean, players shouldn't have to... I'm pretty sure this happened here. Don't quote me on this, but I'm apparently certain... Players from much longer ago have sued the NFL over, like, brain damage that they yeah. took from all their years and improper safety equipment at the time. Yeah, there's been – well, there's plenty of that in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And 
unfortunately. Luckily, a lot of that changed uh, about seven years ago after something really bad that happened that I'm not going to go into. Right. But they they actually ba- they've banned a lot of like the more violent stuff. Like they banned chair shots to the head now, which is very good. Which yeah. It's amazing that it took them so long to figure out that was a bad thing. Then, uh, speaking of Brock Lesnar, the monster of a man that he is, if people don't know him through wrestling, you might know him through UFC, where he beat the hell out of people there and wasn't even at his best, because apparently he had a disease the whole time he was there, which was just something internal. It wasn't like a virus or something. And he still beat the crap out of some of the top guys in UFC. I mean, this guy's a friggin' monster. Uh... Yeah, at the main event of SummerSlam this year, he just beat the living hell out of John Cena, who is the who is like the current Hulk Hogan. Mm. This is like, I mean, if Undertaker losing is like seeing Superman fail, this is the death of Superman. Basically, Cena got off two moves the entire match. The rest of it was Lesnar picking him up and tossing him in the air, and Cena landing on his neck. Surprised it was the most. It was one of the most die in this thing. Huh? I'm surprised more people don't die. Well, he kind of knows how to... Well, Cena's a, also kind of a freak of nature. I mean, this is a guy who tore his, like, bicep and then came back two months later and was perfectly fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> but holy crap, like, the shock of the crowd during this topped off with one of the best moments where <laughs> Cena hits his finisher on Lesnar, goes to cover him, gets, like, a two-count. Lesnar kicks out. Sits up, sticks his tongue out, looks at Cena, and starts laughing like a maniac. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous thing ever. And you just could see Cena's face like, oh my god. <laughs> of course, something that happened last month, which... I'm a late adopter into wrestling, so I've missed some of the huge moments in the business. However, I can say, I got to see Sting debut and the WWE. To talk about how big this is, he has for many, many, many years said he would never go over to WWE. He was a loyal WCW guy until the company closed in 2001, went over to TNA afterwards, and everyone wanted to see him there in WWE. Finally, earlier this year, he popped up showing that he's going to be in the video game that came out last month. Uh And so at Survivor Series, all of a sudden, just like when the chips are down... We get this freaky uh, entrance video, and out he walks. And it was a pretty incredible moment. And I know he's going to wrestle. They have confirmed this. And I really hope we do get to see Undertaker versus Sting, because that's like the dream match from everybody. Unfortunately, it's kind of the dream match that everyone wishes would have happened about, you know, 15 years ago. But it would still be just for significance sake. And I'll be. I'm looking forward to see what he's going to be doing. And that's pretty much it. There was some other crap that I don't feel like going into this year. Just was. It's there's plenty of like negativity that's happened this year that's been documented in other shows. So I don't need to go uh-huh. into it. Well, I'm still thinking of the Robot Chicken, the Educational Wrestling League. <laughs> I don't remember if I saw that one or not. Uh, has Ben Franklin. Uh, oh, yeah. The Wright Brothers. And now that mm-hmm. is educational. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, also, did you see any anime this year? Um, uh, some of the original Voltron out of curi- morbid curiosity. 
actually, because I downloaded Crunchyroll for my iPhone, and I've, oh, cool. I've got a Chromecast on a TV, so I can actually send stuff to the TV, so that was kind of cool. And that may be something I want to cover one time, is like uh, Go Lion versus Voltron, because... Uh, Look, I'm not saying the American and American media does it all the time, but man, do we have better music at points. <laughs> okay, well, that's wrestling. Yep. So and then uh yep, video, and that means video games are last. And then anime. I think you yep. have one anime you want to get into and we'll get you the time. So I actually didn't play all that many games this year. Uh <laughs> before we get to the obvious one, I did Bat I started Batman Arkham City. And the first game I've actually beaten in years, or just had the patience, I went through Zelda Link Between Worlds, which is awesome. Yes. This is agreed. the one that uses Link to the Past as a framework. And it is for both – so if you're – it's your, your first entry into the series or whether you're an old player, especially if you've done the Super Nintendo one, get it. It is a – it is worth getting a 3DS for I agree. I played this when it came out last year, and I think I've beaten it two or three times now. Yeah. Although, spoilers here, but when I found out the uh, buying your weapons was annoying as hell, but um, when I found who was selling them to me, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> when they reveal who the, he'll, who the, the real seller is, I was just like, oh... <laughs> yeah, no, I actually didn't mind it as much as I thought I would. I mean, I do prefer the traditional mm. format of you find them in dungeons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it was nice because this way you could buy stuff that and access dungeons and like wacky orders and stuff like that. So I did like that feature. Fair enough. But it was just and nice to explore that world once again. Oh, yeah. And one thing I liked about it was... I remember in the original, there were so many points where you're like, oh, like, these two areas could kind of connect, you know, but there's no, but there's like trees in the way. Uh -huh. Like when you're in the path behind Link's house, how in Link Between Worlds, you can take it right to the Smith's house. Uh -huh. And I remember looking at like the world map back in the day and like, oh man, like there's this path could lead right here. It's like a shortcut, but it doesn't exist. So it was fun to see little things like that, that I would think of as a kid and now looking and go, oh, they actually put it in here. Well... I didn't. I just remember thinking like, okay, I need to go to the desert palace because maybe there's not a dungeon there, but maybe I'm sure there's something there. And I end up playing through an entire dungeon and it was until the boss fight. I'm like, did I just beat a dungeon? <laughs> I did. The only dungeon I didn't like in that game was the ice dungeon. Mm. Yeah, I hated that. Of course, the ice dungeon in the original was not fun either. No, it was not. This one was like twice as bad, though. Um, well, the worst one is still Ganon's Tower in the original. Oh, that one was insane. I, I dreaded going through that one every time. Yeah. I mean, that's worse than the Water Temple bad in N64. No, because I was able... Actually, you know what? I think I needed help with Ganon, but... I got stuck in the Water Temple for over a month. Well, same here. And, yeah, and Before I wasn't stuck in... I wasn't stuck in Ganon's tower that long. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but I when I read on the internet that people I was not the only one to get stuck in that dungeon, I was like, Yes! Vindication 
I'm not which, an idiot uh, for not figuring it out. The water temple? Yeah. Well, I already, I should have known it was going to be bad because I was at a friend's house. Uh, there were three of us, and we tried going through the water temple. The guy who owned it, he already gone through a little bit. It took us hours before we finally got through it, and then we died against the boss. You died against him even more, but really. Yeah. He's not that hard of a boss. I wasn't playing it. Oh, right, right. right. <laughs> I got through most of it. I got stuck against Shadow Link, and then my friend who owned it took over. Because he had me doing a lot of the footwork in it, and then he took over there. We got to the boss, and I think he was, like, almost dead, so. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I admit. And we didn't know what we were doing, too. Dude, so. to tell you the truth, I admit I haven't died in a, like, died from a boss in a very long time in a Zelda game. Mostly because uh, the dungeons are actually, dungeon fatigue is a lot harder. Just everything that a dungeon can throw you before you get to the boss, and it seems pretty easy. I did die in A Link Between Worlds, but that was when I played through it on the expert mode. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, you take twice as much damage. Ooh. Yeah, so there are actually, if you don't have enough hearts when you get to the Dark World, there are some enemies that can kill you in one hit. Yeah. That's kind of forgivable there. Contra Link. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, we're talking about a fandom who... uh, Members of the internet who go through an entire Zelda game without getting a sword or going more than three hearts. I actually kind of – I went through the whole kid section of Ocarina without the sword once. I'm impressed. I actually skipped the sword altogether. It's still in the chest. Uh, How would you do that though? Get around the – get around Mido? The crooked cartridge trick. Oh, okay. It's on the N64 version of the game only. If you slowly lift out the left side of the cartridge, you can pass through the characters that block you. Mm-hmm. And so I did this to get out of Kokiri Forest, and I did the second and third dungeons first, and then I went back into the first one. Hmm. And I actually then I went did Adult Link, went back to being Kid Link to go to the uh, Desert Temple. And he had the Kokiri sword on his back. I was like, but I didn't get it. And I went back to Kokiri Forest. The treasure chest is still closed, and it's not in my inventory. <laughs> I kept this save just so I could show this to people and be like, look what I did. Yeah, um, of course, the original uh, Link's Awakening had a glitch where you could skip a major major sections. Uh, yep, I, I had that. I got the uh, level 2 bracelet and half the items before even picking up the sword. <laughs> I found there's a uh, really early cave in the game where if you pass through the walls enough times, mm-hmm. you end up in a weird version of the seventh, of the second to last dungeon, or third to, basically, yeah, the second to last dungeon where you're supposed to get the level 2 bracelet. So basically you open up the treasure chest and it gives last, you the first... Yeah. Yep, and then you do it again. Then you exit out and save, and then go back in, and you're just back in that cave. Huh. And you have the level 2 bracelet. Okay. And uh, we will continue with games right after a quick break. Looks like Joey found a dual disc. Let's get out of here. The obscure references are making me dizzy. Okay. The most modern game I played this year... Um, besides, I also went back to Roller Coaster Tycoon 1 because it's still fun, and Scrubbonauts Remix because that's still fun. Have a shog off. Um, of course, I also played Sonic 06. <laughs> 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 
and I went through all of Sonic Adventure 2 as therapy. <laughs> but um, Five Nights at Freddy's. Holy crap. You know, as much as humorous as it is watching Let's Plays of these of this game, in both games now, the sequel came out. Um, when you play it yourself, there's just it's a total different experience. So, um, a lot of people have complained that it's just jump scares. No, it it it's more than that. It's the ambience of the atmosphere and the knowledge of what will happen to your player character if you lose. So I, I like I've seen the videos of it. I like the concept of it because I mean this is something that's like everyone's like freaking. Oh well, it definitely it plays on yeah. something that's primal to our own, our common childhood with yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. Exactly, but I like the concept. I like the atmosphere. I like all that. I think the gameplay is really stupid. I I just watching people play it. I'm like, no, I do not want to play this game. Like I would just rather watch, I would rather I would sit with someone as they played it. Mm-hmm. But I do not want to have to deal with like all the resource management, all this crap. I really don't like games like that. Well, and it's so. hard; it's micromanagement, you know, like Pikmin. So yeah, and I hated Pikmin. I hated Pikmin too. So yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I like RTSs with like the resource management and those. Mm-hmm. But I, t- to be fair, I also run out of resources really fast in RTSs, so I'm obviously not very good at it. Build all the siege tanks in StarCraft. Um, but yeah, that, so what did you do, uh, what, what anime did you want to talk about? Oh, uh, well, I watched, I only watched a little bit of anime this year. Last year, I watched, like, a bunch of shows, because at one point, I lost my job, and so I had plenty of time to do nothing. (laughs) But this year, I only watched a little bit of stuff. I watched the first couple episodes of the Disgaea anime, Mm -hmm. and I picked, I found the DVD set of it for, like, 12 bucks at Fry's. I was like... Sure, I like the games. Oh, now I remember an anime I saw, but continue on. It's very enjoyable, uh, at least what I've seen so far, and it's similar to the original game's plot, but different enough that it won't feel like a total retread or anything like that. And bonus points for the fact that they have the voice actors from the game in it. Mm -hmm. And so I like that. Then I finally got to watch, I found out this came out much earlier than when I actually watched it, uh, one of the animes I watched last year and highly enjoyed was Hyperdimension Neptunia, the animation. Mm-hmm. And it actually had an open plot thread by the time it ended, and it was only 12 episodes rather than 13. I immediately tracked it down online and because I loved the rest of the show. And I was really hoping this would tie up the loose end because episode 10 of the show... This is a very funny, very, like, just total goofy show. Episode 10 is the biggest tearjerker in anime I've seen in a long time. Uh And it comes out of friggin' nowhere because in the game that they based this off of, it was, like, the crowning moment of heartwarming. Gotcha. And this one, they twisted it and kind of twisted the knife in the viewer. And I actually saw the Facebook page shortly after the episode aired. And the first five posts were, this made me cry. Huh. So not only did this end up being a good way, you know, they tied up the loose end, but it was like a great coda and ending to the show. Like, this was perfect. The story was relatively quick, but it was the pacing was great. Nearly every single character got to shine through, and it contains every single thing I love about the show and about the games. 
it was funny. The characters were great. It had a just heartwarming moment that will bring you to tears and then make you laugh uproariously. And it had a couple of really good badass action scenes. Plus an amazing remix of one of the songs from Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory that at one point I listened to for like 20 minutes straight. Okay. This was perfect. Like that's the best way I can describe it. It It was absolutely perfect. And I remember when I went to go watch it, I had just gotten very disappointed and pissed off at a game I paid 60 bucks for. I was like, crap, now I'm not you know, I'm going to trade it into GameStop, get like 30 bucks for it or something like that. Then I watched this and went, I can't be angry anymore after watching this. I am perfectly happy now. Okay. This put me in a great mood. Yeah. Um, the anime I watched was Grenadier, which is... Um, Eh, let's be honest. Trigon with boobs. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember you ch- told me about this one before. Uh, short version, it, it follows a quote-unquote senshi, a, a gunfighter who happens to be a woman and has... Well, but... They're very, Is well endowed. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. And, um... It, I mean, a lot of people criticize it for being Trigon with boobs, but it's actually got a pretty strong philosophical vein. So you know what? Props to them. Except that it's it's still a guilty pleasure because it it's complete fan service, but it, at the same time it makes fun of its other makes fun of itself and other animes for being, you know, too fan servicey. Yeah, N- Neptunia does stuff like that too. I mean, there's one character in it, uh, Vert, who uh, that's kind of one her one of her central one of the central jokes around her is uh, her the size of her endowment. And there's actually a scene at one point in the show where she goes to fight this one villain. She transforms into like her like super form and has significantly less clothing. And uh, the villain's like, oh, I only like younger like younger women. And, he, and she goes, well, what about those with large breasts? Bouncy, bouncy. And he just looks at her and goes, they're just going to sag. She then gets pissed Ooh. and kicks him through a building. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's a, that's a burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, they're in uh, one of the games. They actually point out the fact they actually get shocked by her because they go, they have their own sound effects. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. That was the moment in Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory that got me laughing hard enough that I had to stop playing the game because I couldn't breathe. Okay. <laughs> Does that cover everything, then? Well, now I get to get into uh, my games this year. Yes. All right. I think uh, have more I than played... I do. Oh, yeah, I played way many games this year. I am not going to go into every single one, because after I wrote out every single one that I played this year, I looked at it and went, that's way too many. <laughs> and a lot of them are were just too... I didn't have much to say outside of this sucked or this was neat. Every game I'm going to cover, except for one, came out this year. Uh, I'm Honorable mention from 2013 is Disgaea D2 for the PlayStation 3. This came out last year, but I didn't get a chance to play it until late last year and then actually played through the entire thing this year. For a while, this was my favorite game of the year. It's very fun. It's a deep strategy RPG. Uh, if you ever played a game like Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem, it's in that vein. But it's even more, it's way more over the top. 
and you can grind the characters. You can level up items in this game. Every single item, you can go into a world and go through different stages and power up the item. I mean, you can get characters to level 999, do over a million damage. It's just complete, like, over-the-top absurdity. And there's a lot you can do. And also, it has a great story. It's Overall, it's a comedy with one uh, chapter dedicated to each of the characters kind of getting warped around a little bit. Uh, one of them, Etna, she goes from having red hair to having blue hair and yells that she's now player two. Uh-huh. And so, of course, they like poking the fourth wall a little bit. But it actually has a few really good serious moments. Uh, when I lost against the final boss in this game for the first time, it gives you a really bad ending. And it was really depressing. It just kind of left me sitting there going, I feel bad for losing. Like, it made, it literally made me feel bad for losing to the final boss. Gotcha. Is it what? Yeah. And it, in all honesty, does a better job handling character development and themes of, like, family and siblings than all three of the Final Fantasy thirteen games that came out over the last couple of years. And almost every other game that I've played recently. Mm-hmm. Everything about it feels fresh. The characters are fun and wonderful and very lovable. Gameplay is addictive as hell. And it's one of the best RPGs I've ever played. I can't recommend it enough. It's amazing. Gotcha. On the other hand, starting with February, because I looked back January and not much came out then. Bravely Default for the... 3DS. This is like the exact opposite of what Disgaea D2 was. The, this game is literally just a mishmash of concepts, gameplay, and story and otherwise that other games have done better. It's unoriginal, it's boring, it looks like Final Fantasy 3 on the DS, and the voice acting is atrocious. Oh, and the battle system that people raved about in this game? Yeah, I've seen it done before. Hyperdimension Neptunia Mark II, which came out two years before this game did, implemented this idea in a better way. And heck, Stella Deus for the PS2 that came out in 2005 did this better. I'm, to be honest, the only reason why I convince people think this game is good is because everything else Square Enix has put out in the last couple of years has been utter garbage. If all you have is a 3DS and you want a good RPG for it, pick up any, either of the two Etrian Odyssey games or Fire Emblem. They're way better than this. Or uh, Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor. Recommend any of those over this game. Gotcha. I will continue with ranting on some stuff and raving about others after a quick break. Hello? Hello, hello? Uh, Well, if you're hearing this, then chances are you've made a very poor career choice. Oh, man. Two uh, two Square Enix games in one month. Ouch. Both of them. Blech. All right, so Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy XIII. The third game in a series, the sequel to a sequel that didn't need to exist in the first place. Uh-huh. L- let me just preface this first. I actually did not absolutely hate this game. I don't think it's all that good, but I honestly did enjoy some things. It has its moments. Chapter It has five chapters. Chapter two is actually very good. The boss fight in it has a lot of good emotion and tension to it. 
and overall it was actually quite well done, including a part where you have to take play, take part in a play in order to get inside a building, which was just hilarious looking. Chapter 4 was actually good is of the characters that you meet in it, and the payoff for Chapter 5 is like the crowning moment of heartwarming and was adorable. Basically, the concept of this game is that Lightning, who is not very popular, but the creator of these games seems to think that she's the greatest thing since sliced bread, she has 13 days to say, try and save the souls of everyone in the world before it's destroyed by God. No, I am not making this up. The overall plot is kind of crappy, which I'll get into in a moment. You actually do get a pretty good feeling of accomplishment from like the most minor of quests. Like, you, basically, you're helping people. You're going around and helping people out with their problems, and it kind of does give you a good sense of satisfaction. And the combat is actually not that bad. It's got its moments. There's some parts where it's just flat-out broken, but at its best, it's very fun. Unfortunately, then there's everything else. The pacing for it is terrible. The storytelling is a mess, which is a constant problem with these games. The characters, with a couple of exceptions, Fang and Vanille, are underdeveloped. They can range from uninteresting, the character Hope, to atrocious. Go to hell, Caius. You are the worst villain in this franchise. And I'm saying that as someone who is not a fan of the villain of Final Fantasy IX, who is an effeminate douchebag. And you need a guide to figure out almost everything in this game. I commend anyone who made it through this game without a guide. Like, this is the most guy-dang-it thing I've ever seen. Mainly because the fact is, you have a limited time, limited amount of time to take care of everything. There is an in-game timer. You, in order to, quote-unquote, level up in this game, you have to do quests that just boost your stats. Mm-hmm. And some of them you don't know what the heck to do, so you need a guide to figure out what you're supposed to be doing, or else you could be horribly underpowered by the finale of the game. And then a lot of the story, unfortunately, the reason why it's so bad is it tries to continue the absolute mess that Final Fantasy XIII II created with its garbage time travel. Like, the finale of this game essentially is the height of ridiculousness. And unfortunately, it doesn't bring closure to Lightning as a character, which is what I wanted it to do. It does it, like, a tiny bit, but not enough. And the final boss, both the battle and concept, are absolute bullshlock. It actually took me over five tries and over an hour to kill this bastard. And the only reason why I did it is because I had to exploit a feature of the combat system. So if you look around online, you'll see everyone had a problem with this. It, it's absurd. And there's no way to grind to make yourself stronger. So if you get to the, the final boss and you can't beat it, you're screwed. You actually literally have to start the entire game over again. Then there's the ending, which has one decent moment in it. The rest of it is a total disaster. And the scene that's supposed to be taken seriously, which this whole game, for the most part, is supposed to be serious, all the characters banding together to beat the final boss made me start cracking up because they all summoned their giant robots... So I started saying, go, go, Power Rangers. (laughs) And then lightning kills God with a huge energy sword. I really wish I was making this up. 
So, yeah, to all the people that pissed and moan about Mass Effect 3's ending, no, no, no. You, look at the ending to this game, and you will start... First of all, you'll laugh because it's so ridiculous, it's funny, but then you'll see really what a bad ending is like. The only people I could possibly recommend this game to are someone like me who just out of morbid curiosity, needed to see how this fuster cluck ended. Or if you absolutely loved the first two games. And if you did, fine, whatever. You know, more power to you. If they brought you joy, that's fine. Otherwise, just don't play this game. Don't play the second one. The first one's worth at least trying. But holy cow. Especially because in March, Square made a uh, did a re-release of something that was way better than this. Hey, positive game! Hatsune Miku Project Diva F for the Vita. What was that? Hatsune Miku Project Diva F. No, I heard that. What did you just say? <laughs> it's a good game. Okay. Basically, it's a J-pop rhythm game. Hatsune Miku is a virtual idol who is huge in Japan and is actually becoming very popular over here as well. She was actually on the David Letterman show. I actually really like this game. It's a rhythm game, and I'm not even a fan of the genre. The songs are really catchy and fun. The music videos are great. As you play each song, you'll see like a music video going on in the background. And there's one of them that essentially is kind of like a 50s-style going-to-the-beach one called Summer Idol, which is very funny. Or the ridiculous crowning moment of awesome that is the song Worlds and Dance Hall. Oh my god, this was hilarious. Uh, Pete, I would recommend looking this up on YouTube. It is awesome. Okay. <laughs> I actually almost failed this song because I was so distracted by the video. I really recommend this game uh, if you have a Vita. Uh, there's also a PlayStation 3 version, and the sequel came out this year, too. I, rec I definitely recommend them if you like rhythm games, if you like J-pop, if you're a Hatsune Miku fan. And then moving on to a good release from Square Enix, which is a rare thing nowadays, the Final Fantasy X slash Final Fantasy X 2 HD collection that came out. Yes! I've been playing the heck out of Final Fantasy X lately. I forgot how really good this game was. And to me, it was like the last game in the franchise that kind of hit all the good points. You know, like the music was really good, the story was really good, the gameplay was really good. Uh, Final Fantasy XII had a very good story, but the gameplay was, like, atrocious garbage, which is a shame, as I wanted to go through that game. Uh, I highly recommend this game. The story, once it really starts taking off, has very good moments, and even though Titus gets a lot of flack, I think he's really... He's a very good... Uh, kind of co-main protagonist. Uh, this is not his story. This is Yuna's story. Mm. Uh, the, I know, the I still like the character. Well, the reason why he's there is he's there as a proxy for the player. He is there, he's a, it's a fish-out-of-water storyline, and so basically, as Tidus learns about the world, you get to learn about the world. This way, it's not like Final Fantasy XIII, where you're thrown into a world and the game just assumes you know what, you know what is going on. Mm. So, I'll admit, yeah, as a character, he's, not, he's certainly not the best protagonist in the franchise. That's plainly obvious, but it's because he's not supposed to be. 
and taken as just a proxy for the player, he's actually very well done. And especially at a late moment in the game, actually, it's like halfway through, you find out this huge truth about like the world and about one of the characters. And basically, you, I had pretty much the same reaction that Titus did. Like it put me into absolute shock. And I just recently played through it, and yeah, it's still extremely good. Um, I mean, it's not perfect. Some of the voice acting is hit or miss. I like Yuna's voice actor at points, but she really needed to just belt out some of her lines, and otherwise it kind of sounds like she's trying to whisper some of her lines, and that just kind of bugged me. But on the other hand, you have John DiMaggio in it, and he's awesome. And you also get Tara Strong. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's a couple of cheap boss fights. Seymour! <clears throat> Excuse me. You need cough and, out there? Yeah. And uh, 10-2 is just a fun ride. It's It doesn't take itself seriously because it's not supposed to. It's, Final Fantasy X ends on, like, this huge depressing note, which says a lot when Final Fantasy VI, the game where the world is literally laid to waste halfway through, has a happier ending than this. Well, uh, happy's, uh, happy or sad's depending on if you hate Titus or not. And uh, for those of us who do, the fact that he disappears at the end of the game, oh, gosh, how terrible. That that wasn't actually the darkest part of it. That's that's part of it. It's just it has it actually was very well done. And Yuna's final speech at the end of the game, I remember when I first played it, like really got to me. And I can understand the criticism of Ten Two. But to be honest, give it a chance. It's actually just a fun, wacky game with one of the best combat systems in the franchise. Moving on to another game I really liked, Dynasty Warriors 8 Extreme Legends Complete Edition. Yes, that's the full name. <laughs> I'm a huge Dynasty Warriors fan, and 6 and 7, unfortunately, were total duds. But holy crap, this game fixed every single problem I had with those and then some. Uh, this complete edition one is for the PS4. It has the normal Dynasty Warriors 8 game, as well as the Extreme Legends expansion to it. If you're a fan of the franchise, I highly recommend it. Next up, uh, Goat Simulator. <laughs> Try this game. Yeah, I watched the um, <laughs> the Renegade for Life. Let's oh my that. god. <laughs> Just try it. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> well, actually, Team Four Stars Renegade for Life is what got me to buy Scribble Knots. Hence the oh. have a shock off. <laughs> oh, and then um, and actually another good Square Enix one, Dragon Guard Three. You need to try this if you have PS3 or have access to a PS3. <laughs> This is the one of the weirdest and most ridiculously over-the-top games I've ever seen. You play as a woman named Zero, who wants to kill her weird zany sisters to become the most powerful soldier in the world. Oh, and she kills the narrator in the opening of the game and starts off with a dragon partner named Michael. You sure this she isn't a, a Mega Man X game? No, oh. it's not. Okay. She gets a robo-arm, a flower in place of one of her eyes, and then a, a younger dragon that literally pisses himself when she yells at him. It, the game revels in its own ridiculousness. 
I, I loved it. It's great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Zero! This fighting is pointless! You have to stop! We're sisters! Oh, don't be such a prude, Four. A good cat fight really gets my juices flowing. Okay, Mario Kart 8. If you have a Wii U, you need to own this game. It is excellent. This is the best Mario Kart game ever created. I, according to my Wii U, I've put over 40 hours into it. You mean it's better than Double Dash? Wait, I hate it. I know, I know. That's like one of the worst ones of them. Yeah. No, this one was fantastic. It, it, I'll put it this way. The racing is the funnest thing in the game. Like, the rubber band AI has either been removed or just toned down to the point where you never notice it. Which, that was one of my biggest complaints with, like, Mario Kart 7. I got, I'm so sick of the stupid rubber band AI. So, yeah, check out Mario Kart 8. So much fun, so ridiculous, so great. And the replay system is awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, um, next up, a kind of a niche game, Akiba's Trip, Undead and Undressed. This one, uh, the PS3 version is, uh, the first version of it I played is not that great, unfortunately. Um I love the style and concept and characters and story and attention to detail in this game. On the other hand, the combat was kind of broken. I mean, basically you play as an otaku who takes a job that pays in rare figurines, <laughs> but instead is turned into a half-vampire who then rips the clothes off of other half-vampires to expose their skin to the sun to weaken them to be finished off. I'm so glad you said skin. <laughs> during this, uh, during the opening, you meet a strange and powerful purple-haired girl who kisses you to give you some of her blood to help make you stronger and deal with the main character's quirky friends and his hilarious sister, who calls you many versions of bro. My favorite ones so far are brotagonist <laughs> and brotaku. Uh -huh. see, this is the type of game for someone like me who loves like quirky Japanese games. Uh, the PS4 version is the one I really recommend, just because they up the graphics, the combat feels better, the controls feel tighter. There's a lot of attention to detail, but you get to run around in Akihabara in Japan, and they essentially try to recreate this like down to the last detail. I mean, you can even see advertisements for stuff, that like real products as you're running around. Like, I even stopped at one point, looked up at a giant TV, and got to watch the Japanese commercial for Disgaea 4. So, mm -hmm. if you're like me, like quirky Japanese games, play it. It's awesome, and it's hilarious. Um, one game that I really love on the Vita, Disgaea, Disgaea 4, A Promise Revisited. I didn't think it was as good as Disgaea D2, but it's very good. The story is hilarious with a heart of gold, and it, of course, is addictive, and... Yeah, it's zany. It has a character named Desko, who is the most adorable overpowered monster girl you've ever met, who just wants to be loved her by her half pretty delusional big sister, Fuka. <laughs> yes, it's weird, and that's why I love it. Uh, I'm going to skip an August one that was my favorite game of the year. I will get back to it at the very end, because I'm going to save the best for last. Um, Hyrule Warriors for the Wii U. Yeah, I want to ask about that one. Mm-hmm. How good is it? It's not good. Oh. I, 
I did not like this game. Uh, a lot of people have. I it, Basically, it crosses over Zelda with Dynasty Warriors formula. And as I said before, I'm a huge Dynasty Warriors fan. But And I was really psyched to play this game. Unfortunately, everything it does to incorporate like the Zelda concepts just hurts it. Uh, the bosses you have to fight kind of like they're a Zelda boss, where you have to time special things to get them into a weakened state to attack them, which just murders the pacing of the combat. There's no in-battle voice acting, because it's a Zelda game, and God forbid there's voice acting. But there's a voice actor for the narration of the game, and the reason why this bugs me is... In Dynasty Warriors games, or just in the Warriors franchise in general, when you're in the middle of combat, characters will yell commands to you or yell at stuff like, quick, I need this character needs help or something. And they like to place the sub, there's subtitles, of course, for it in text, but it's located in an area where it's not intrusive. So unfortunately, if you don't know someone's talking, you don't know to at least look down and check at what they're saying. Like in Warriors Orochi 3 Ultimate or in Samurai Warriors 4, it's all in Japanese, but at least you know somebody's talking to you. So you can miss vital things that could – you can lose the battle if you don't look at this. Like, oh, this character's about to die, but they need to stay alive. I don't really like any of the character, like the gameplay for any of the characters in it. The leveling system sucks, so you can't really grind because you have to find items that you don't know how to obtain or to improve the characters. The music is actually not good because Zelda tunes were not meant to be repeated for 20 minutes at a clip. There's unskippable cutscene sequences, like when you open treasure chests, which, as I said before, it ruins the pace of the battles. The visuals in it are really good. I will say that. The game looks very nice. I like the design for Link in it, but I did not like this game. And I'll admit... Before I played it, I had been playing through Dynasty Warriors 8 and Warriors Orochi 3 Ultimate, another game that came out this year that I think was fantastic, because it's like total over-the-top fan service for the Warriors fans. But this is not a very good Warriors clone, and it's from the people that made the Dynasty Warriors games, and it's not for people like me who really appreciate like the evolution of those franchises. Uh, if all you have is a Wii U, I would recommend Warriors Orochi 3 Hyper instead. And this was the one where I was just ticked after I finished it, after I played it, and was like, I spent 60 bucks on this. Um, Alien Isolation for the PS... I played the PS4 version. I did not like this. I, this was overhyped to hell and back. And I think one of the problems was everyone just talked this game up too much before I actually played it. It's like, oh, it's so scary, you know, you'll crap yourself in fear and everything. Uh, you know, the atmosphere is really good, all this stuff. Yeah, okay, I played this game for over an hour and a half, and I was just bored. Aliens showed up for like half a second to kill a character that I, that I knew was going to die the minute I ran into him. And otherwise, I'm just running away from idiots with guns. Where's the friggin' alien? Well, they, they were safe for alien isolation. Oh, God. No, that's what... Like, it, you don't find it. Like, I don't know when you're supposed to actually run into this stupid alien. Mm. And I've never seen the movies. I have no interest in seeing the movies. Oh, really, man? They're, I they're pretty good. Don't, I've just never had interest in going to watch them. The one thing I'll give it credit for, it does recreate the look. I mean, it looks like essentially you're in an 80s sci-fi movie. But the problem is, 
since I haven't seen the movies and I don't care, it ruins immersion. So when I'm like, okay, I can kind of get into the setting, I find a console that looks like an old TV with like cheap buttons on it. I'm like, okay, you guys put attention to detail, but unless you're a fan of the franchise, it does nothing for you, and it just rips you out of the game. Well, I think they were they wanted to make this as immersive as possible after the failure that was Aliens Colonial Marines. Yeah, which I did play that game, and it was worth the $2 I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it had bad jump scares, which I hate jump scares. And the, the game was buggy, too. Within five minutes, I ran into a progression stopper bug, and I had to restart the damn thing. Wonderful. <sighs> On the other hand, there was The Evil Within from Shinji Mikami, the creator of Resident Evil. This game rocks. Play it. I don't need to go into more detail on it. It's good. It's freaky, and it's tense. <sighs> then there's a game that... I don't know why I got so pissed off at this, because I don't know really what I was expecting in the first place, but... <sighs> yeah. Borderlands, the pre-sequel... This is the most half-assed piece of garbage I've ever seen. First off, this thing is a midpoint story between the first and second games. It feels like it was an expansion. It was originally an expansion that they went, "Hey, let's try and expand it out into a full sixty-dollar game." Yeah, two K. You're a bunch of money-grubbing scumbags for doing this. Second, this the plot of this franchise is not strong enough to, for something like this and make it even remotely engaging. I mean, this isn't like, you know, when we heard they were making the Star Wars prequels, when we heard they were making them, it sounded interesting. When I heard they were doing this, I'm like, I honestly don't give a damn. And especially when you actually start playing it and realize that the dialogue is flat out trash. The minute one of the characters yelled out the, the term son of a taint more than once, I realized that, that was his catchphrase. This whole game's script feels like something basically like they gave the writer a list of things that junior high school students find funny and said here make a game from that make a game out of this so they made a video game out of shaft or no not shaft um steel the the shack uh edition of steel yes I mean, th this thing feels like when someone's telling you a really long joke and you just want to punch yourself in the face rather than listen to it, and only they find it funny. Odd. And then, so I tried out two of the four char playable characters. One of them was just, hey, press this button to win, which, yeah, great, thanks for that. And then there's the character Claptrap, where this was like, this character's been like a a joke for like the first two games is like an actual character, but you don't play as him, mm -hmm. which was fine. Then this whole thing is literally just a joke by the, the stupid developers. When you go to pick the character, they give you a warning and they go, Oh, are you sure you want to play as him? You've heard how weird he is. Right. And I'm like, okay, no, I want to try it. So I pick, yes, I do want to try this character. And they're like, are you sure you want to play as him? You sure you don't want to try one of the other ones? <sighs> Yeah, this isn't funny. So I finally started playing as him, and he sucks. He's a terrible character. Okay, great. You just, what are you, trying to make a joke out of this? It's not funny. 
You just put a worthless thing in your game. There's only four characters to choose from. This isn't like Dan in Street Fighter where you can actually have some fun with how goofy he is and there's plenty of other characters to pick from. There's only four ca- playable characters in the damn game. And one of them is worthless. Or, you know, Mr. Game & Watch in Smash Brothers. Yeah, he's at least funny. Look, tip to game developers, if you're going to make a joke out of a game mechanic, make a quick gag, move on, and get over it. This way, you'll get a little laugh out of the player, and then you'll get to the good stuff. Okay? Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory did this perfectly. At one point in the game, you're told that in order to for the character Neptune to get back home, you have to get shares, which is basically like make your like her country better than the other ones. And she goes, oh, but we did this in the first two games. Eh, all right, I'll do it. And you know what? It actually has no effect on the plot. It's just something they throw in as a good gag, and then they move on and say, like, yeah, we know we had to do that in the first two games. We're letting you do something new now. So I don't know why I got so pissed off over this game. <laughs> I really don't. Like, it's not even worth getting pissed off over. Okay. Um, we're going to take one more break, and then I'm going to give it go into two more games, one of which, another one that kind of ticked me off, and then my favorite game of the year that may, will let me end on a happy note. Bayonetta slash Bayonetta 2 for the Wii U. Hey, disappointment, Ben! I got another game for you, or two games. I, I really wanted to love these games. Uh, they're both created by the guy who started the Devil May Cry franchise. And I really, really wanted to love these, especially because the Wii U has very few good games on it. Um, the first game isn't, like, terrible or anything, but the last hour of it is garbage where they actually give you a 20 minute exposition at the end of the game to explain the plot. That's bad storytelling. Just give up at that point. We don't care that overall it was a decent game, but it had, it had some major problems such as garbage, quick time events. And then the second game, I wanted it to be way better than the first one because, you know, it would be a nice improvement. And it does improve some things. There's no quick time events. It looks nicer. There's a bigger variety of weapons. And the game actually tries to tell a coherent story. Unfortunately, the controls have some problems, mainly just some of the ways that they set them up. And the combo system feels broken because I know I'll hit the same combination twice and then I'll get two different results. Thanks. There's a wider variety of weapons, but most of them suck. All the boss fights are terrible, because they all boil down to dodge, counter, dodge, counter, dodge, counter. Yay, it's about as fun as I'm making it sound. And then enemies will attack you even if they're not on camera, and the camera gives you massive problems at points. Yeah, guys, Devil May Cry 3 resolved this issue back in 2005. That was nine years ago. And the story is absolute trash. And it actually hit a po- I hit a point where I felt like the game was just the story itself was actively making me want to stop playing. And I did. I quit two chapters away from the end of the game. 
and I have no interest in ever playing it ever again. And instead, I went and played Devil May Cry 3, uh, which is a nine-year-old PS2 game, and instantly I remembered why it was so good, and it's better than Bayonetta 2 in every single way. And then finally, my game of the year that made me laugh and made me very happy the entire time I played it. Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth 1 for the Vita. It's almost like you mentioned this franchise a lot. Yes, I love this franchise. I could probably, we could dedicate entire, like, hour-long podcasts to why I love these games. (laughs) Like, I, I love the, I loved Neptunia Victory last year, and this was a remake of the first game, which, I'll admit, the gameplay of the first game was not good. It was clunky and broken, unfortunately, but this one they fixed every single problem that it had, and it is awesome. Uh, the concept for this franchise, it's basically, it's a parody of the video game industry and the console war with four girls who represent the different companies and their consoles. Neptune, Sega Neptune, Noir, who is the Sony PlayStation, Blanc, the Nintendo Wii, and Vert, the Microsoft Xbox. And they have four nations in a place called Game Industry. But everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> Oh, I'm yep. sorry, wrong franchise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and basically, the story goes is they always, they're fighting for dominance over game industry. And at the beginning, Black, White, and Greenheart, Noir, Blanc, and Vert team up and defeat Neptune, who is known as Purple Heart. And she wakes up with Amnesia, and they actually do poke fun at the fact that she's an RPG character with Amnesia. And she meets a character named Kampa, who is actually a character representation of Compile Heart, the developer of the game. Every single character, like main character in this game, is based off either like a console or a company. And basically, I'm constantly laughing at this game. There's tons of references and parodies of the game industry itself and consoles. Like in Victory, they make fun of the Virtual Boy. They, call, they refer to it as that pair of goggles that gives people headaches. <laughs> and the game actually even has, like, a good theme and message within all the jokes. It's essentially, at the whole, at, by the end of the game, all the main characters are working together to just make game industry a better place. And it's essentially, if companies stop trying to just attack each other and just focus on making people happy, the industry would be fine. Everyone would like them more. Stop trying to, you know, ruin things, stop suing each other, stop doing crap like that. Just work on, you know, making stuff that's fun. And that's what this game is about, just having fun. I mean, after the credits for this game, each individual character thanks you for playing it and says, you know, keep going, there's still more stuff to do. And I absolutely loved this game. And I... I, no word of a lie, I wish I could visit Idea Factory International, the publisher, and just thank every single person that worked on this to release it over here. This made my year. And I knew I was going to love it before I even played it. And yeah, it met all my expectations and then some. And I actually kind of got a little misty-eyed when I saw the true ending for this game. Because it was just so heartwarming and touching. And the remake of the sequel... Rebirth 2 Sisters Generation comes out next year, and I'm buying that thing right off the bat. And that concludes many, many video games that I played this year. 
Yes. Yes, you did. So. All right. So I think that covers 2014. Mm-hmm. So well, then we'll be taking a break from the Christmas and New Year's holidays, and then we're going to come back in January. Uh, what do you want to do? Well, sometimes, you know, I, I see this blue streak speed by, mm. and, you know, he's faster than the naked eye. Yes. Well, see, the thing is, his fifth cartoon just came out. Oh, yes, and fifth. I tried the demos fifth. for those games, and they sucked. Yeah, well, we need to address this character's previous history in animation, so yeah. we're going to cover the previous four animated series, just one or two episodes each, and, uh... Then we, if we get time, we may talk about the first episode of Sonic Boom. Yep, so we'll be covering the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic. Sonic the, Hed- yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog Sat AM, as everyone likes to call it. Sonic X. Sonic, Sonic X and Sonic Underground. I'll handle that one. You can... uh, I'll, no, I will watch an episode. I... I I, again, it can't be. Wor- I don't remember much of it, but it can't. It still can't be worse than uh, Jingle All the Way Two. And yes, I will be continually saying that until I am proven wrong. Oh man, I can't wait to find something that proves that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Have a ha- happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone, and happy New Year. <laughs>